Good morning, everybody, and welcome into the KDLM Sports Wrap on 1340 KDLM. Lots to get to today. We always have lots to get to, especially after a busy weekend. The uh, the high school season for fall sports wrapping up last Friday night. Lakers season ending at Mulberg Field in a 35-0 loss to the Wilmer Cardinals. We got some uh, NFL football to recap. Uh, a heartbreaking loss for the Vikings, which how often we said all the time. But this was a game that the Vikings should have beaten. The, the Cowboys, the worst team in the NFC. Vikings not able to hold on there. We're going to talk to Matthew Collar from PurpleInsider.com. Come up second half of the sports wrap to get his take on the uh, the Minneapolis. Well, maybe not a, not, not a Minneapolis meltdown, but uh, basically everybody having issues yesterday, except maybe Kirk Cousins. And it was maybe 30 seconds after the game was done, people were on Twitter blaming Kirk Cousins for this loss, for not putting together that game-winning drive. No, Kirk Cousins put together one of the best games that we've seen him play, but it was pretty much everybody else that let the Vikings down. Other offensive pieces, the defense, special teams, uh, the refs. I want to ask uh, Matthew Collar if he saw what I saw on that Tony Pollard touchdown run. C.D. Lamb blatantly held Anthony Harris, no call, touchdown, Cowboys. We'll talk to Matthew Collar second after the wrap. Timberwolves making some some moves as well. Let's begin uh, with with high school sports recapping the Friday night football schedule, the final Friday night schedule of the season. Rewind time. Like I mentioned before, Lakers uh, losers in their finale last week, thirty five to nothing to the Wilmer Cardinals. Other games of local interest from Friday night: Pillager uh, losing at Osakis, thirty four to twelve. A thriller in East Grand Forks with Polk County West beating the Green Wave 21 to 20 in double overtime. That was a fun one. Barnesville over Warroad 41 to 8. Your champions of Section 84A once again, the Recory Spartans after beating up the Grand Rapids Thunderhawks 34 to 6. You may remember uh, two weeks ago, the Thunderhawks beat Hibbing, I believe, 89 to nothing. And Recory getting a little bit of, uh, <laughs> Of uh, look how good we are. We're so much better than you on 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 the Thunderhawks. Thirty four to six. Recory, your back to back champions of Section Eight Four A. OTC uh, falling in Breckenridge, forty nine to thirty. Pelican Rapids beating up on the Holly Nuggets, forty to fourteen. Your champions of Section Eight Three A is the Dilworth Glidden Felton Rebels, twenty seven. Pequot Lakes, nothing. That was a big one for DGF. West Central Area Ashby beats up Staples Motley 48 to 27. Bemidji over Sartell St. Stephen 21 to 6. Verndale beats Wheaton Herman Norcross 38 to 16. And the Moorhead Spuds. We, we we're going to talk to John Millay tomorrow, and I'm sure he had he had eyes and ears on on this one because he's been following the Spuds all over. Because the Spuds offense, man, what a tough break for Moorhead to not see this team be able to compete for a for a Class Five state title beating up alexandria 63 to 7 moorhead spuds win their finale if you don't know about that that moorhead spuds offense they've got a uh a a, a und commit going to go to, to und and compete with max gunderson former laker for uh for some playing time next year they run a a, a five wide receiver spread offense in moorhead how often do you see a five wide receiver spread offense at the high school level? 
Not very often, but if you can do it, and if you can do it efficiently, you put up a lot of points, which is exactly what the Moorhead Spuds did to, to everybody all season long. 63 points on the Alexander Cardinals last Friday night. Two. To the east side of U.S. Bank Stadium, Cousins under center. Justin Jefferson to the left, Thielen goes in short motion. Snap to Cousins, play action, rolls out to the right, pass is caught. Touchdown, Vikings! It's another touchdown for Adam Thielen, and he has 11 this season. It's 2016 Minnesota. Two touchdowns for Adam yesterday, but wasn't enough. As the Vikings saw their three-game winning streak come to an end, 31-28 to with a loss to the previously 2-7 and Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Sunday's game got up to a kind of an auspicious start for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins strip stack by Darren Wilson. Cowboys recovered the fumble. Uh, Dallas cashed in for a six-yard connection from Andy Dalton, who was back from both the concussion and COVID-19, to Zeke Elliott to give the Cowboys a 6 nothing lead. The Vikings blocked the extra point, answered with a 12-play, 75-yard drive that ended with a Dalvin Cook touchdown. The, the, despite the advantage, the, the Vikings battled through several uh, special teams errors and penalties, in, in the first half, Dallas op- opportunistic, uh, a C.D. Lamb touchdown reception and a 19-yard field goal from Greg Zerline gave the Viking, give the Cowboys rather, a 16 to seven lead. But the Cowboys came back. A pair of touchdowns put the Vikings up 21 to 16. The rest of the game goes back and forth. We'll, we'll talk to Matthew Collar and dive deeper into those special teams miscues, the penalties in the first half, the the Tony Pollard 42-yard touchdown run. We'll talk about the. Uh, the Harrison Smith hit that was called a uh, uh, you know helmet to helmet contact where there was no helmet to helmet contact kept a, a Dallas drive alive. We'll talk about the Justin Jefferson drop on second down on that the, the Vikings second to last drive that likely would have iced it for the Vikings. We'll talk to Matthew Collar get his take on the uh, on the game second half of the sports wrap on. KDLM. Uh, what else we got here? We got some uh, Timberwolves news and some very under the radar exciting Timberwolves news. Before we get to the uh, the rest of the NFL schedule, trading for a guy named Ed Davis from the New York Knicks, trading Omari Spellman and Jacob Evans and a second, a future second round pick to the Knicks for Ed Davis. When the Knicks have just blown everything, <laughs> everything up and here's the the impact that ed davis is going to have for the vikings apparently when when adrian wajanowski of espn announced the trade on twitter his his dms and his texts just exploded talking about what a phenomenal move it was to bring davis to minnesota he says this uh davis is a sensible addition for minnesota a physical vet off the front court brett bench and a terrific pro for a young roster. My DMs and texts are being flooded right now from people, players, coaches, media, absolutely raving about Ed Davis. A very important move there for Gerson Rosas. And here's the, the important part. Uh, what, what, the, one of the things that flies under the radar about Davis is he was teammates with D'Angelo Russell with the New Jersey Nets, or the New York Nets, Brooklyn Nets, that's what they're called now, the Brooklyn Nets, in 2016. And when these two were on the court, they were one of the best defensive combos in the league. The Nets that year finished 42-40, and made the playoffs, 
And it was the D'Angelo Russell-Ed Davis combo that made that team so good late in the fourth quarter defensively. And if you know anything about this Wolves team, you know they're going to struggle on defense with Ricky Rubio and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. You've got Anthony Edwards, rookie, not sure what his defensive capabilities are going to be yet. Where the, the Wolves this year, if, if the defense stands as it is, are going to have to put up 120 points a game to win. And, and looking at this team, they have the ability to do that. But Ed Davis coming in gives a big defensive boost to this young team. Other Timberwolves news, they have their starting power forward, uh, likely reciting Juancho Hernan Gomez to a three-year contract, add some depth and veteran presence. They also bring back Malik Beasley. A restricted free agent, four-year, $60 million contract. So I think the, the the Wolves are still $3 million under the cap, and so they could make one more veteran minimum move if they want to. They do have 14 of the 15 roster spots spoken for right now with, with, the, with the Evans and uh, Spellman trade for Ed Davis. That frees up one more roster spot. So Wolves could potentially make one more move. But I'm liking what I see for the Wolves. I, I I know it's early. Maybe I'm still on the uh, the Ricky Rubio hype train, and I'm excited to see number nine back in Minnesota. But I think um, maybe I'm excited that we're finally going to see Russell and Towns on the court at the same time because we had one game of sample size there. We're, we're basically the second half of the the COVID shortened season last year was what What does this team have? And we got a, a good idea of that. Where after they traded everybody, they, they, they blew out the Clippers. Remember that game? The Wolves scored like 150 points against the Clips with pretty much an entirely new, revamped roster. That was fun. Here's the, here's the Wolves roster right now. Malik Beasley, uh, rookie Leandro Balmaro. He was the guy that I believe they traded... Um, Daniel Oturu for the pick. Jared Culver, Anthony Edwards, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jake Lehman, who's back after uh, an injury-riddled season last year, Kellen Martin, Jaden McDaniels, also a, a rookie. I think the 33rd overall pick in, in the draft. Jordan McLaughlin, undrafted rookie, had some, some big moments last year. Jalen Noel, Josh Akogi, Nas Reed, Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Let's forget Evan Turner is on this team. He wasn't activated much last year. Jared Vanderbilt, and now Ed Davis. It's not a it's it's not a number one seed in the in the West by by any stretch of the imagination. But I I think late in the season, which starts on December twenty second, I believe, Wolves will compete for a playoff spot. Maybe a bit of a rough start as everyone finds finds their positions, and, and Ryan Saunders tweaks with this lineup. I think it's going to be a, a fun Wolves season. There should be anticipation for Minnesota Timberwolves basketball this year. Let's get to some other headlines and some uh, some NBA news as well, starting with the NFL. Uh, look at some other scores yesterday. Chiefs uh, beating the, uh, the Raiders yesterday. Comeback win. Pat Mahomes fighting Travis Kelsey. 28 seconds left. To put Kansas City up for good as the Chiefs took down the Raiders 35-31 in Las Vegas in Sunday night football. Mahomes, 348 yards, two touchdowns and a pick as the Chiefs improve to 9-1. and 
The Raiders dropped to 6-4. and four. Meanwhile, the Steelers' defense forcing four turnovers as they beat the Jaguars 27-3. to three. They remain undefeated, the first team to double-digit wins. The Tennessee Titans beating the Baltimore Ravens in overtime. There is a legit Yannick Ngakwe curse going on this season. I believe with, with, with the Vikings' loss, teams with Yannick Ngakwe are 3-8 and eight this season. And teams with him on the ro- without him on the roster are eight and three. Like the Ravens were f- one of the best teams in the NFL for the first quarter of the season. They get unique Ngakwe, and now they're awful. Flip side for, for the Vikings. The Vikings were what one and five with unique, and now they're three and one without him. Something worth noting: Derrick Henry scoring the touchdown in uh, in overtime as the the Titans beat the Ravens. Titans improved to seven and three. They take on the seven and three Indianapolis Colts next week. That'll be a good one top the AFC South. Colts beat the Green Bay Packers in overtime. Some some kind of devastating news for one Joe Burrow, uh, first overall pick by the Cincinnati Bengals, tearing his ACL yesterday. Not good there. But some uh, some other good news. Alex Smith picking up his first win since that gruesome leg injury in November 2018. Good to see uh, Smith back. Broke his tibia and fibula in his right leg. It was Smith's second start, fourth appearance of the year for Smith, who pushed helped push Washington within a uh, half a game of the NFC East lead at three and seven. That's that's garbage. Other games yesterday: the Saints beat the Falcons twenty-four to nine with an alleged tight end to Taysom Hill at quarterback yesterday. Panthers shut out the Detroit Lions twenty to zero. Panthers come to U.S. Bank Stadium next week. Pittsburgh Steelers, like I mentioned, 27. Jacksonville, 3. Colts over the Green Bay Packers in overtime, 34-31. to Fun stat for you Packer fans. When Aaron Rodgers has a 14-point lead on the Indianapolis Colts, he's a, he's a career 1-2. and two. <laughs> he's, he's, All three times he's played the Colts, he's led by 14 points or more and has lost two of those three games. Browns over the Eagles, 22-17. Houston over New England, 27-20. Chargers over the Jets, 34-28 with the loss. The New York Jets officially uh, mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. And the Denver Broncos over the Miami Dolphins, 22-13. Some NFL signings. The Lakers are adding Mark Gasol for some free agent depth. Three-time All-Star leaves Toronto, uh, the team that originally drafted him in 2007. Uh, to facilitate room for Gasol, Lakers are trading center JaVale McGee to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Celtics making some noise yesterday as well, agreeing to a max extension with Jason Tatum, $195 million over the next five seasons. And another max extension going to Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz. Uh, he gets uh, $195 million with incentives, five years. Utah drafted Mitchell out of Louisville in 2017. Second half of the sports wrap. We're talking to Matthew Collar from Purple Insider and PurpleInsider.com. Recapping the Vikings loss yesterday, uh, a game that looked so promising, a game that a lot of people were confident the Vikings would come back and win, but uh, giving up the uh, the game-winning touchdown with a minute and 27 seconds, 37 seconds, as they fall to the uh, previously 2-7 and seven Dallas Cowboys, 31-28. Talking to Matthew Collar next on the wrap. 
I'm Chris Rose with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. The Titans and Ravens squared off in a rematch of last year's playoff game, but the outcome remained the same. Despite forcing overtime, the Ravens still had no answer for Derrick Henry, who rumbled for 133 yards and a 29-yard walk-off touchdown. The Colts also needed overtime in their 34-31 comeback win against the Packers. The loss knocks Green Bay from the number one seed in the NFC. That spot now belongs to New Orleans, who grounded the Falcons in their 24-9 win. Taysom Hill ran for two scores in his first win as the Saints starter. The Cowboys kept their playoff hopes alive with a surprising 31-28 upset of the Vikings. Pittsburgh is still perfect on the season after cruising to a 27-3 win in Jacksonville. The Chiefs avoided a sweep by the Raiders thanks to a last-minute score from Mahomes to Kelsey in their 35-31 win. And the Chargers finally won a one-possession game. They took down the Jets 34-28. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The University of Minnesota football team beat Purdue on Friday night 34-31 at TCF Bank Stadium. Golden Gopher junior receiver Chris Ottman-Bell grabbed five passes for 129 yards in Minnesota's win over Purdue on Friday. He spoke with Justin Gard after the game. Just the team having fun, man. It's all about, it's all, it's all it's about, just having fun. You know, I've seen everybody running around, just, everyone just loving it, man. That's, that's, that made my heart happy right there. Just having fun, seeing everyone smiling and running around. That's what the road is right there. When the play is called, make the play, you know. Uh, it starts with the whole offense, though. It's not just me, you know, the off, offensive line doing their job, running backs doing their job, my other receivers doing their job. So I'm just doing my part when the play is made, just make the play, you know. But it's all the offensive thing, it's all together. When I think fourth down in you, I think Fresno State, obviously, a lot. A lot of people do that from a year ago, but you know, you guys are in a, a tight game late in the game. You just get stopped on third down. You lose a couple of yards. I think it's third, it's fourth and eight. You guys go for it, and you come up with the catch down by the one yard line. Take me through that play. Like I said again, man, you know, just, when the play is made, play is called. Go make the play. You know, trying to see me. He, he has faith in me. Fleck has faith in me. Coach Sharma has faith in me. It goes back to the, the, like the day one training. You know, it's just always details and technique and training. When it comes to crunch time, it's all about details and technique. You know, that's what I had. I made the play. I'm happy I can make my offense. That's Golden Gopher receiver Chris Ottman-Bell with Justin Gard. Minnesota visits Wisconsin this Saturday. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Graham. Thirteen forty KDLM, the station you can count on. Welcome back to the Sports Wrap on a Monday morning. Joined on the phone now by Matthew Collar from Purple Insider and PurpleInsider.com. Matthew, how are we doing today, my friend? I'm doing okay, but probably uh, better than some Vikings fans who are looking at those playoff odds and uh, yeah. seeing the percentages drop this morning of the Vikings making the playoffs. Yeah, now now four and six, see, they they see their three game winning streak snapped in a game that uh, Vikings were favored by by quite a bit. Uh, a Dallas Cowboys team that's been terrible offensively, uh, that's been even even worse, you could argue, defensively at, at two and seven. But uh, even at three and seven, now the Cowboys like half a game out of the uh, the NFC East playoff race. So it, it's it's nice to kind of lose to a team that's still in in the division race. I guess if you want to look at an extreme silver lining with these guys. <laughs> yeah, that was a good try. Um, <laughs> you know what, what? When you look at Dallas, though, it's a little bit like looking in the mirror for the Vikings. I mean, it's a team that actually does have some very, very talented players, and uh, you know the the catch that CD Lamb made in the end zone, uh, mm-hmm. some of the defensive linemen that they have that got after Kirk Cousins, 
Um, yet they also have some huge holes in their roster as well, and especially at the cornerback position. And that's, you know, kind of one of the problems that the Vikings have. And, you know, I think what you saw was Andy Dalton is a pretty competent quarterback who could get his players the ball, and the Vikings could not, you know, create a lot of pressure against him. And he was able to get rid of the ball pretty quickly as well. I, I saw that that he was fourth best in getting rid of the ball, which kind of um, in terms of quickest from snap to throw, which kind of negated those Zimmer blitzes that had really uh, wreaked some havoc over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I, I think it was kind of a combination of a team that does have enough talent to sneak up and beat you. And then, of course, the Vikings beating themselves in many different ways. And, you know, they, they made a lot of mistakes on Monday night in their win over Chicago and, and got away with them. You know, a, mm-hmm. a fumble, a, a kick return for touchdown, a ball bouncing off somebody's hands that turns into a pick, and they got away with them in that game. This time, Dallas made them pay. You know, despite the loss, uh, this is probably a, probably a top five game that we've seen Kirk Cousins play. I, I think at one point he was like 20 of 23 for 300 yards or something like that, three touchdowns yesterday. But it seems like this time it was the rest of the team that, that led him down. What was one big glaring mistake that the Vikings made yesterday that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, there isn't just one, and I totally agree that it was the supporting cast that seemed to undermine Kirk Cousins, even maybe down to the play calling. You know, I think one that really stood out to me was he completes a 27-yard pass to Justin Jefferson, drops it in the bucket, perfect throw, just a, I mean, really a, a truly um, beautiful pass. And then they run twice in a row after that and get stuff. And it was mm-hmm. just like, let let Kirk throw the ball a little bit here, you know. So it, you know, and then he is leading a drive to go ahead at the end of the first half. Delvin Cook fumbled the ball. Um, you know, he gets pressured quite a bit early in the first half and overcame it at times. I mean, he overcame a couple of really goofy penalties that they had. Um, you know, so it was kind of frustrating to see on social media with fans talking about the very, very last drive and blaming Cousins and saying, well, well you know, why can't he go win the game there when I thought that you know, he overcame so many different things during that game and puts them ahead with a great go-ahead drive late, mm-hmm. um, which is actually the, the third time this year that he's had a fourth-quarter drive from behind to put them ahead, and, uh, you know, they, they lose in that game. So, you know, I... I think that Cousins um, kind of did what you're supposed to do against a very poor defense in Dallas, but um, he is not the guy that I look at for why they didn't win that game. Yeah, the Vikings at one point trailing 16-7. to Kirk leads them back, leading 21-16. And then that Tony Pollard touchdown happens. A 42-yarder, a, a bunch of funky things happening. I'm seeing that there was a, a potential missed uh, holding call on CeeDee Lamb on Anthony Harris. And then you had uh, Chris Jones, who was benched after the run. What's going on with Chris Jones in that defensive backfield? Well, this is exactly why Chris Jones uh, wasn't somewhere else. I mean, I think they picked him up off of waivers uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he's a decent cover corner, and he hasn't been bad in that way. But uh, I remember going back and looking at some of his pro football focus grades, and he had one of the worst tackling grades. And I wondered, like, you know, is that just kind of a – you know, one missed tackle or something hurting him. No, I, I think we saw it. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, looking at the replay, if they put me at corner and said, go tackle Tony Pollard, that's what it would look like. <laughs> I'd be like, ah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I'm not getting run over by that guy. 
you know, that was Tony Pollard. It wasn't Derrick Henry. It wasn't Tony Dorsett. It wasn't even it was Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard. I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, this was this is not a violent running back, and to make such a poor effort, I think, was absolutely bench-worthy. But it also, you know, it also just kind of tells you where the Vikings are at. I mean, whether it's injuries or it's just holes in the roster because, you know, veteran guys left. Like, these are going to cost you games to have players like this who are your seventh corner on the depth chart that they're playing at this point. I mean, we've seen the Vikings defense play that same run in the same way, and Trey Waynes tackle the guy 100 times out of 100. But mm-hmm. it's not Trey Waynes anymore. It's Chris Jones, and this is kind of what you got. And this is why it was so hard for this team to potentially get back in the race from being one and five because – you know, when, when you have a roster that has so many holes, eventually it will come up and bite you. Looking at it next week, Carolina coming to town in a, in a very similar spot as the Vikings, 4-7 and seven, uh, for the Panthers right now. And th- this could be the proverbial nail in one of these two teams' coffin when they, when they match up on, on Sunday. Do we know what's, what's going on with Teddy's knee? I know Philip Walker came in and, and helped Carolina beat uh, Detroit. Uh, yesterday, uh, but this is the the big return to Minnesota game that a lot of fans and and maybe some of Teddy's former teammates have had circled on their calendar for a couple of years. Yeah, it seems really likely that Teddy Bridgewater is going to play, even though he missed the game against Detroit. He was out there warming up uh, before the game, and there was some conversation about whether he would even be active yesterday. So it seemed like he was really close to convincing them to play against Detroit, and then they decided it was safer to play their backup, P.J. Walker, who's a cool story, a guy that was a, an XFL star, and uh, you know then he becomes a backup and, and gets his first win. So that was pretty cool to see. But there is there is no way that Teddy's not going to – heal up and be ready to play. And, and luckily, the injury to his knee was his other knee, not the one mm. that got hurt uh, back in 2016. But that, uh, you know, I have been um, not really thrilled with the atmosphere of no fans at football games. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we have a football season, but it is just like they're trying hard. Um, it's not great. This is where I'm really going to miss it is when – Teddy comes back and there's no fans there to see it because mm-hmm. um, no matter the situation, and I'm sure Vikings fans will always root for the Vikings. I mean, everybody loves seeing what that guy has been able to do to come back in his career after what he went through. So um, to have no fans there is going to be unfortunate, but it will be it will be really something to see him back starting again. Other than the Teddy uh, storyline, what are some other things we should watch for the Panthers this weekend? Well, it's interesting because the Panthers are they're another team that is like the Cowboys or like the Vikings where, you know, they've got some weapons. Robbie Anderson has really emerged for them. They've got some good defensive players. They drafted Derrick Brown very high in the first round, but they've also got some huge holes and they've also given up some, you know, really big performances uh not against Detroit obviously, but some really big performances to opposing quarterbacks. So, you know, if the Vikings have any chance whatsoever of getting back in the race, um, they're going to basically need Kirk Cousins to do what he did, uh, you know, yesterday again and, and put up huge numbers and, you know, be able to run away from Carolina on offense. But it's just w- with the amount of times that this team seems to want to fumble, commit penalties, and not throw to Justin Jefferson, um, <laughs> it, it's like it's like you can't really trust them, even though they have the uh, the capability to light up anyone. Um, they're just 
too many times where you kind of say, this is a really good offense, but it's not really humming the way that you would expect for a lot of different reasons. Talk to Matthew Collar from PurpleInsider.com. Matthew, what's come up on the podcast this week? Oh, yeah, everything. I mean, like, how do we analyze this team now? Like, are we in? Are we suddenly in uh, draft a quarterback mode again, like we were at one and five, or are we, you know, holding out hope for the playoff race? I, I mean, it's it's a really funky place to be in because I think we all wrote down that Dallas game as a win, yep. and so now it's trying to figure out, you know, where this is going to go, what went wrong. And, um, you know, today I've, I've got an episode coming out with ESPN's Courtney Cronin where we talk a lot about Delvin Cook and how much he's been used. And uh, basically, you know, if you remember the early 2000s and Sean Alexander and how much they used to hand off to guys like that, yep. that's what they're doing with Delvin Cook. So we discuss whether that's the, the right way to go. Awesome. You can find that online at purpleinsider.com. You can also listen to Purple Insider Saturdays on KDLM at 10 o'clock. Matthew, my friend, have a fantastic week. We'll chat again soon. Yep, thanks for having me. Can't wait. It's finger licking good. Sweet. Dude. All right. Can't wait moments. Uh, obviously, Thanksgiving this week, so uh, a, a kind of shorter week for the sports wrap. No show on Thursday. We've got a, a very healthy slate of NFL action coming up on Thursday. Triple header for football, which means we're going to move K-Train to Wednesday this week. Talk to him and uh, see how he's feeling about those 11th ranked Northwestern Wildcats out of the Big Ten. How about that? Beating, beating Bucky on, on Saturday. Gophers still have... Uh, well, both of those teams on the schedule, they've got Wisconsin this weekend. They've got 11th-ranked Northwestern, which who would have thought that? 5-0 and Northwestern, number 11 in the country. They've got them on December 5th. If you missed this, uh, Katrin and I have a little friendly wager on the outcome of the Gophers and Northwestern game, which uh, <laughs> it's seeming more and more likely that I'm going to have to pay up and send some, some Minnesota goods, some memorabilia uh, his way to Vermont. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Monday Night Football tonight on KDLM. Rams versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks are 7-3. Rams are 6-3. Tom Brady versus Jared Goff. Kind of a quarterback rematch of that Super Bowl a couple years ago where Brady came out on top. Pre-game show at 6.30 tonight. Kickoff right around 7.25. Bucks and Rams tonight on KDLM. Tomorrow, we're talking to John Millay of the Minnesota State High School League, kind of get his thoughts on the uh, the pause slash, slash shutdown and talk about some fun stories that he had covering fall sports this season. John Millay on the Sports Wrap tomorrow, right around 9.45. That's a wrap for the Sports Wrap. Back tomorrow at 9.30 on the station you can count on KDLM. Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Off the record with Zeke begins after CBS News. Stick around.